Welcome back to Just Scrap Radio on BJPen.com. I'm your host, Cole Sheldon. Episode 35, we got a really good lineup here ahead of UFC Vegas 23 and the really interesting box match between Ben Askren and Jake Paul. We're first joined up by Ben Askren to talk his fight against Jake Paul, why he decided to take this boxing match, how it even came together, and just kind of get his early thoughts on it. Obviously, he's known as a grappler, so this is a really interesting kind of fight for him to take a boxing match, but... Ben made it clear like he doesn't think Jake Paul's very good. He thinks he's going to be able to beat him up, and he thinks he's going to make Jake Paul quit. He doesn't really think uh, Jake Paul's really been tested or hit. He knows, obviously, he has two quick knockouts, but Ben Askren doesn't think either of them knew how to fight at all or have ever been hit before in their life. So Ben thinks after he's still standing, after the third, fourth round, Jake Paul's going to start to fatigue, and Ben's just really going to bring it on him and and really put him and try to get him out of there in, in that seventh, eighth round. But really interesting stuff from Ben. But then we're next joined by Frank Mir to preview his fight. Obviously, th- this chat was when he was supposed to fight Antonio Tarver. That fight is off, but still a really interesting chat that I had to keep in just because we talk about why getting into boxing, his career, his future, his daughter. So there wasn't many questions on Antonio Tarver. There's a few that obviously aren't that relevant anymore but still really good chat with frank Mir, who's uh thinks this might not be it for him in boxing he's just really excited to test himself out but he's still uh ready to go back to bare knuckle which he's really excited about but really good stuff for frank Mir. we're then joined by jacar close to preview his fight against jambi stevens this is a really big fight for jacar he was obviously supposed to fight uh louis paney in february closest cornerman test positive the fight was off and he did not expect to get jeremy stevens jeremy stevens is a must-win situation he's moving up to lightweight and close is really excited about this fight obviously stevens has big name value he's 04 and one or 04 and one no contest in his last five so close knows stevens is going to come out guns blazing looking for that stoppage and but something close mentioned which was really interesting is he thinks uh if he beats Jeremy Stevens, he wants to test that cut down to 45. So he knows obviously Jeremy Stevens is ranked at 45 close is very like, he, he's very honest with himself. He knows he's never going to be a champion at 55. He says, he says, but 45, you can make a run where he thinks if he beats Jeremy Stevens, he can get a rank at 45, make that run up. He just thinks lightweight. The top guys don't want to fight anyone ranked below him. So it makes it hard. And closing things out, we talked to Chase Sherman about his short notice fight against Andre Arlovsky. I actually talked to Chase about a week before this was uh, booked against Arlovsky. We previewed his whole fight against Parker Porter. Then it comes out he's fighting Arlovsky, so I sent him a text, and he's like, yeah, of course, let's re- let's redo that. So really uh, big thanks to Chase for redoing the interview, but really good stuff about fighting a legend like Andre Arlovsky. And, and Chase really isn't too high of Arlovsky, ha- even though he's picked up some wins. He just doesn't – he thinks uh, Tanner Bowles or Philippe Lynn showed him too much respect, and, Arlo- and Sherman's ready to go out there and try to put Arlovsky away and really cement him – self as a legit heavyweight contender and hopefully get a ranked opponent next but really good episode i hope you all enjoy and thank you all for listening be sure to uh subscribe to any podcast platform podcast platform you listen to and thank you all again all right we're joined by professional boxer now ben asker and ben uh, how's it going that that feels awkward i don't know if you should call me a professional boxer maybe a professional fighter yeah but professional boxer might be a little bit extreme yeah, obviously, this kind of surprised everyone. Jake Paul was calling out a lot of people. Then you step up. It, it, a lot of people didn't think you'd be the one just because you're kind of known as a grappler. But what kind of intrigued you to take this fight? Because I assume it's probably a lot of money, too, and you can beat up a YouTuber. Yeah. Uh, well, I love fighting. Um, I've, never, you know, I've never been a boxer, but I do love fighting. Uh, and I don't have to beat up a really good boxer. I have to beat up Jake Paul. And that's what I, that's what I keep stressing to everyone 
And for some reason, Jake Paul somehow, I, I applaud his marketing efforts. He has made people think that he is a good boxer. I don't really think that's the case. Uh, so my, my mind, I just have to beat up Jake Paul. This is no big deal. Do you think people underrate your striking just because of how dominant you were on the ground? Like everyone yeah. called Jake Paul's going to knock him out, but you're a guy that you stood and traded with Andre Korshkov, Douglas Lima. You yeah. took punches from Robbie Lawler. Like th those are some of the hardest hitters in the welterweight division. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never, I've literally never been rocked by a punch in my life. Um, obviously there, there's the instant with the Masvidal knee and that was it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think people underrate it because it looks really funny. Um, and I remember, but the same thing, that's just kind of how things I do look, they don't look right. It looks like I suck at it. And then all of a sudden I'm really good. Um, I remember, uh, one of a guy I coached college wrestling with, he he was kind of a little older than me. He kind of got out of the game while I was in my prime college wrestling years. And I gave him a highlight DVD. And I, obviously also, you know, at that point in time, 2005, six, seven, you know, you couldn't watch live wrestling on the internet or on TV really. So I gave him a DVD. And I remember the next day he came back. He's like, Ben, you, you fucking suck. I don't know how you won so many matches. I'm like, listen, I realize it doesn't look like it should, but I won 87 matches in a row. I won the Hodge Trophy award two years in a row for, for a reason. Because what I do, while it may not look that aesthetically pleasing, it is highly effective. What do you make of him working with Mazadal? I think that's just kind of trying to get under your in your yeah. head and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's whatever. I mean, it's, I, I think it's probably more of a social media play than anything. Yeah. yeah. Do you basically think the longer this fight goes, the more success you're going to have? I don't really know how good Jake Paul's cardio is going to be. You're a guy that's gone 25 minutes hard. like, And grappling takes more cardio than just straight up just boxing. Yeah, I, I would say that's the case for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he'll become less and less effective as the fight goes on. Yeah. I, you're a. I basically think the way you win this fight is just making it kind of a dirty box fight. Like he's so used to just everyone standing that boxing style. But I think when you get on the inside using clinch, kind of throwing those jab, like uh, uppercuts to the body, like is that part of the game plan? Is not make this a clean boxing match? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's obvious, right? Uh, but I feel, man, I just just in the short time I've been training, like I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it and. I can, I'm moving so much better. You know, the first couple of weeks was really exploratory of like, why am I doing all these things the way I'm doing it? And really the way I was doing everything was just to get the takedown, right? That was my real only purpose in MMA for my striking was to get through the initial punches, which I was highly effective in and then get a takedown. Um, and since then my, my footwork's been getting a lot better. I've been learning to throw more punches, right? Because in, in MMA, I would never try to throw more than two punches at once because my punches were essentially just decoys to get my hands on them and then take them down. And in boxing, um, you know, that's not really what you want to do, right? You just want to keep punching them. So, you know, learning how to throw four, five, six, seven punches in a row, that's been something new. Uh, yeah, so, but I'm picking it up quickly. I learned, I learned quickly. And that's kind of like what I said to a bunch of people was I've been, I've been top 10 in the world in four different sports. I understand how to learn. I understand how to have success. Um, and it should not take me more than 12 weeks, which is the training camp. Uh, it shouldn't take me longer than that yeah. to beat up Jake Paul. And I think a lot of people are surprised too. You're coming back just because you had that hip surgery. Was that a bit of a worry taking this fight or is the hip fully healed now? Uh, it feels great. Um, no, it has not really been a worry too much. It's been, uh, it's been great. I feel great. I mean, honestly, I feel 
better than I was prior to the surgery. It's significant. I mean, I, I couldn't believe even like the next week, it's not like I could have trained or anything, but just the, the amount of, uh, the amount less of pain that I felt on a regular basis was amazing. Are you surprised how much people are overrating Jake Paul's boxing skills? Like he knocked out a YouTuber and Nate Robinson who looked like he didn't even know how to box. Like he just kind of ran with yeah. his head straight up to him. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how I feel. I feel like people are, for some reason, giving him significantly more credit than he deserves. Um, yeah, I, I, I still think he's very good. How do you see this going out? I remember you saying seventh round TKO, like it's going to be later. Is that prediction still the same, or do you think it's going to be a bit earlier now that you're getting more comfortable with boxing? Um, no, I, I think the same thing. I mean, that's just like everything. I'm, I'm not a speed guy. I'm more as it goes on, I'll, I will get better and better and better. Um, so I, I think that's kind of how it's going to go is, um, as the fight goes on, I get better, he gets worse. Uh, and then eventually I, I just, I will, I don't even think I knock him out. I think I just make him want to hate his life and quit it, quit. That's what I think happens. Do you kind of think you're in a win-win here? Like you're getting a bunch of money to fight this guy. You're not a boxer. And then you win, you kind of just shut him up and a lot of these Paul, and the Paul brothers up. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I, if I if I win on this platform, well, I should say when I win, I will have the ability to kind of like pick another stupid celebrity boxing match or uh, or really do whatever I want. So it, it's a nice platform to have. Um, yeah, I don't really see. I think it's win-win. I mean, the, the one thing that maybe definitely think it was win-win and not really almost no risk is when the fucking odds came out and they had me as an underdog. And I'm like, yeah. Man, you stupid ass people. Okay, let's do this. I have put money on you when I saw you the underdog. I thought you'd Whoa. become the favorite. Yes. Uh, so I, I think it'll probably as the fight gets closer, uh, more and more reasonable people will come to their senses and start betting me, which will move the line obviously in my direction. Are you training with the same people? Like I saw Tyron Woodley say he wants to work with you after his fight. I saw you had a professional boxer and like. Is it your usual crew or are you bringing in other people? Um, well, I mean, I, I didn't have a usual crew, right? Because I was, I was retired. Yeah. Um, and so I had to put it together real fast. So I had uh, Mike Rhodes who fought in the UFC. He's kind of like full-time with me. Um, and then I used the guys at Rufus, Scott Cushman, Duke Rufus a little bit. And then I brought in this guy, a canine, Cornelius Bundridge. Um, and it was like, hey, come in for a week. And let's see how it goes. And I really liked him. So actually I brought him back for a second week. Um, and then I'm going to go train with Freddie Roach next week. And then, um, the canine thing is going really well. So I'll probably, he'll probably come again at some point. I would guess who, who is going to be in your corner then, uh, right now is Mike and Tyron, uh, for sure. And then the, the third spot is TBD. Um, I know Duke and Scott are with MMA, you know, they, they already have dates that they have to be with MMA fighters. So they, they cannot be in my corner. Um, if the canine thing keeps going well, I think it'll, it would likely be him. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where we're at. There's something you mentioned that I want to add or uh, touch on is you said you get a win here, you can get more of these celebrity box fights. Is that actually what you're interested in? Is just getting more of these easy kind of paychecks? Uh, I mean, I so when I retired from fighting, I said I never want to make a career out of fighting again, right? But it's like, hey man, I'm kind of I needed a reason to start training, anyways. I had my hip surgery September 1st, December 1st rolled around. It's like, okay, I can finally start. Um, working out doing that type of stuff okay i i'm i'm really heavy i was i was like 216 i need to f lose some weight i'm fat as shit um and so it's like okay but for me i'm like i can't just like 
lose weight for no good damn reason. So I need a reason to lose weight. And so it's kind of been fun for me to actually have a reason to get back in the gym to start training. And now with boxing, I'm getting to learn something new, which, you know, I enjoy learning all the time. So I'm, I'm learning something new. So it's like provide a whole bunch of fun things for me. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to do like three boxing matches a year or nothing, but like, Hey, if I call some other dope out YouTuber, um, you know, and I fight him next year or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do 20 of them, but I might do two or three. Uh, my prediction though, is I've been telling my friends, I think this is the last time Jake Paul fights. Cause I think you beat him. I think you kind of just kind of bring him into the deep waters. He won't want to, he's a millionaire. Yeah. He doesn't like, I don't think why would he want to get hit and get beat up when he could just post on YouTube and make a million dollars. That's what I, it's exactly my opinion. He's going to realize, holy shit, there's a lot better ways to make money than, than this. This is not as fun as I, at this age, this is not as fun as boxing. Uh, Nate Robinson, who's never had a fight in his life, or uh, I don't know, that other dude that he fought that was a bum. And then you have Frank Mir on the undercard. What's that looking like? Because you have Frank Mir fighting a professional boxer as well. Yeah, that's that's wild. And I'm glad I'm not fighting Antonio Tarver. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, just a few more things. Is, do you ever think you're going to go back into MMA, or do you think it's you're done it's just kind of these celebrity boxing fights from now on? Yeah, highly unlikely. Um, again, if the right opportunity presented itself, I would consider that opportunity, but I know I don't, I don't think so. Hey, you're still under UFC contract, right? So they had to approve yeah. this. Yes, they did. And they're not taking any like percentage no. of anything. Cause when Connor fought Floyd, they had to take some money. I mean, Connor made a little bit more money than I did. Yeah, that's like, true. Something that was worth their time. And just the last thing is you beat Jake Paul. It's one of those interesting fights. His older brother, Logan, maybe you just take out both the Paul brothers. So out of I said this the other day. I said that to somebody and they're like, you know, Jake Logan Paul's and two at boxing. I said, no, I actually, <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea. I just figured it was two and oh, cause he picked some sucky guys like his brother did, but apparently he's Owen two. That's what someone told me. I didn't yeah, fact check that. He fought a YouTuber. Uh, like amateurs had here and everything they fought to a draw then they went pro he lost a decision and now he's supposed to be fighting floyd mayweather which is just easy so money for floyd zero one and one i guess yeah I guess he's not owing two okay but he um, will be he will be owing two after floyd beats him i don't even foresee that happening they kind of put you know it's supposed to happen in february and yeah. they pushed it back because every real everyone he can't he can't beat a, a fucking youtuber how's he gonna be <laughs> yeah. floyd mayweather the greatest of all time i mean the stupidity of this if if someone said this is Logan Paul and Floyd literally has to have one hand tied to his side. That might actually be interesting. Like that might be kind of funny to watch. If it's Floyd versus Logan Paul, why is this even moderately interesting? It's the reason I was making those dumb Instagram posts, me versus Floyd, me versus uh, AC Slater wrestling, because it's just such shenanigans. All right. Well, Ben, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it, it, man. Have a great day. All right, we're joined by former UFC heavyweight champ and now, I guess, professional boxer Frank Mir. Frank, how's it going? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, before we get into your fight, like, how did this all come together? Obviously, you fought out your Bellator contract, you signed with Bare Knuckle, everyone's kind of anticipating that debut, and then out of nowhere, it's you're on the undercard of this Paul Askren fight fighting Antonio Tarver. Well, honestly, I was just training for a fight in February to do bare knuckles. So since about November, you know, picking up the boxing training, limiting more of my jujitsu and wrestling training. And then um, the February didn't really work out. And then they had said, hey, well, you know, we'll get you an opponent April 16th, you know, as far as BKFC was concerned. And then all of a sudden, about a week later, uh, Malky gave me a call and said, hey, uh, you know, what about strapping it up and doing a, a pro boxing match completely? 
And, uh, you know, he said Antonio Tarver was, you know, uh, an opportunity to fight. I was like, oh, that'd be phenomenal. Uh, former world champion, somebody who's extremely skilled. You know, he does analytics, so he does commentate, so he really understands the sport. So even though he is a little older than I am, um, you know, obviously, I mean, the guy was a bronze medalist in the Olympics, world champion on the amateur level in 95. I mean, he's won world championships. He has wins um, over Roy Jones Jr. I mean, the guy is a legitimate, credible world champion. And I think the big question, too, a lot of people had is what weight class is going to fight at? Because the majority of his career, he was fighting in like the 170, 180 range. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, that's why I think this makes this fight interesting. I mean, obviously, uh, fighting a world champion heavyweight would have been a very uh, difficult thing for me to pull off, you know, uh, just because then I wouldn't have had many advantages and, and just much more uh, disadvantages. But in this situation, I'm going to have a, a very much of a size and strength and power advantage in the fight to help try to mitigate the fact of his experience that, you know, he's been boxing for, you know, 30 plus years to my debut. And obviously you signed the contract like what was kind of the reaction like from your end because it, it kind of caught just the symbol that ben Askren and jake paul finally like, kind of caught the combat sports or uh, combat sports world by surprise uh i was just excited i mean i like opportunities to challenge myself i think that uh you know i, I talk to my friends all the time when they're like hey man i need to get back in the gym or i need to you know i want to lose some weight or i just you know i'm, I'm not happy with myself i'm like yeah sign up for something and, then, and everybody always asks me what do you mean i'm all I don't care if it's some kind of tough mutter or Spartan race. You want to sign up and do a powerlifting competition, the local jujitsu competition, you name it. You know, uh, you want to do a Wimp to Warrior, sign up for something. Because I think as humans, if we don't have goals, it's hard just to work out for the sake of working out. It's hard to, you know, be healthy for the sake of just being healthy. But I tell people, if you constantly have objectives, if you're like, oh, I can't go out and drink tonight because, you know, I have something next month or, you know, I, I have reasons for why I need to eat a certain way or I need to, you know, uh, you know, get up in the morning early to go do cardio. Um, if you have a goal, you have an event, I think it gives you much more direction in life. And that's my way of that's my cheat code. I'm just constantly looking to uh, push myself and make myself a better martial artist, especially since I have a daughter now that's following my footsteps, mm -hmm. me being in the gym and training, the more I learn and acquire through my career is just that much more I can pass on to her. And Antonio obviously is normally in your later stage of career, you were always the older guy, but Antonio's quite a few years older. Like he's 52, hasn't fought since 2015. Like, do you think that's a big advantage for you is where you've been in there and you've been competing where he's coming off a pretty long layoff? Yeah, I know that those are going to be some advantages to go my way. You know, uh, I know how it is when I've been on a long layoff. You know, you're, you're, you're a little bit more nervous than you were when you've been fighting all the time because it's been a little while since you felt it, you know. Um, so your anxiety is a little bit higher. Uh, when I took off the two-year layoff, I felt that it was uh, it was not easy, you know, um, you know, uh, as, as if you're, you know, fighting, you know, at least once a year. Um, and so, uh, you know, that and, yeah, look, age is definitely going to be in my age of factor, especially because, you know, like once you start in your 40s, I mean, I felt it. Uh, about two years ago, I really felt a decline in my physique as far as just, you know, my body just really was falling apart. But, I mean, I've really been on a, a hunt to, uh, to rejuvenate myself. Everything from bioaccelerator flying down to Columbia, you know, to, you know, working with American Shaman, doing the CBD stuff, Mitrospec, Kratom, you name it. You know, hell, I just left uh, the, the med spa right now. Uh, uh, I forgot the name of it. Where I was receiving like high frequency radio waves through my body. Me and TJ Slaughter sitting there, uh, you know, having a conversation while I'm trying to do therapy. So uh, if I have to do all these things at 41 and I'm feeling great, uh, but I mean, he's 52. 
you know what I mean? Like how much more would I feel if you add 11 more years to my body? Um, it's, it's even that much more of an uphill battle. Not that he can't feel great. Not that there's 52 year olds out there that don't. I mean, we saw Tyson and uh, Jones just recently go at it. And I thought they made a really good statement for 50 year olds being in pretty fucking good shape. Is your fight three minutes or is it the two minutes? What? Uh, oh, three minutes. It's three minutes uh, rounds uh, and 10 of them. Yeah, so obviously 30 minutes long, longer than you're used to fighting, but you're also used to fighting five minute intervals. So do you think that's going to be a bit where you can push a hard three minutes instead of having to pace yourself over five minutes? It is. And in fact, actually, it, I think inadvertently it kind of helped me because I was preparing for two minute rounds, which is really just a sprint. So it's kind of like, you know, when you're doing a five minute round, you can't sprint the whole time. It's kind of like doing a, you know, it's like being a miler, you know, you're racing a mile. You can't open up and go full throttle out the gate. You'll, you'll die before you hit the final lap. So there's a lot of pacing yourself and picking your spots and when to push. Um, the two minute round is kind of a quarter mile. It's miserable, but it's a sprint the whole time. You know what I mean? Uh, you're just, it's a full blast go. There's very few moments where you can take a breath and go. The three minutes is a little bit of in between where it is a large sprint, but there is a little bit of a lull where you can take a break in the clinch and breathe and you have to find your moments because you can't exactly sprint for three minutes, but uh, you definitely can turn it on more than a five minute round. So I think kind of the fact that I've spent my career in five minute rounds and spent the last six months training for two minute rounds, the three minute round, like the, the two in between actually helped me prepare better for it. And you look at Antonio Tarver's career, he's a guy that's never been knocked out, only six losses and he's gone the distance, but you obviously have a lot of power, bigger gloves. So like, do you, at his age too, do you think that knockout can come? I think so. I think also too, um, you know, some of the strategies I imply, I, I tend to employ, uh, you know, the knockout might not come from a straight concussion, but just from fatigue, you know, uh, he's going to have to, every time he clinches with me, he's clinching with a guy that's going to have 50 pounds on him and I'm going to make sure he feels it. Uh, you know, and, and, and whereas, you know, if he was able to dance around and keep out of my reach for, you know, for 30 minutes, uh, then then the size wouldn't be that much of a factor as far as, you know, uh, uh, wearing him out. But I mean, I, I purposely fight with a style that I try to fatigue you with my size. So that way, as the later rounds go on, the smaller man doesn't have the same advantage he thinks he has. And what do you think a win here does for your legacy? Obviously, it's just kind of a one-off boxing, but you're obviously already a former UFC champ, like beating a guy that was a boxing champ. Like, do you think that does a lot just for your overall legacy in combat sports? I think so. I think just the fact that just it really solidifies him the kind of person that will rise to any occasion. I mean, there's a lot of fighters out there that, you know, they are... Uh, they're businessmen. They, you know, they they fight. You know, and they they're ter they're they're afraid to take risks. They're afraid to put themselves out there and be humiliated and hurt. And um, you know, they might make more money at the end of their life than I do. But uh, the way I look at it, uh, you know, the the where those risks come from, where you where you you dare to go ahead and uh, take chances, is where major growth as a human occurs. And, uh, you know, my failures and my, you know, my hardships have made me so much better of a human being. So that's why I'm constantly challenging myself. So I think this adds to that part of my legacy that I'll step in there with anybody at any time and, and rise to any occasion. Do you think your striking is going to be better too? Because you don't have to worry about kicks coming your way. You don't have to worry about knees. You don't have to worry about people trying to take you down. Like all you have to worry about is the hands. That has helped. And uh, I like a lot of that. Uh, on the outside, honestly, the conversion's been flawless. Very easy, you know. Uh, you know, in fact, I've got to. In fact, I've always liked to work the body. It's just hard to in MMA because, you know, you work the body in a clinch. 
and you know it's easy to get kneed in the face you know like you know body punch versus getting you know a plum clinch in a knee tie clinch tends to win out you know so that's why you don't see a lot of body punching in mma because we can get kneed so you know uh you know dropping a couple shots to a guy's body while he grabs the back of your head and fires one up it's not a great trade-off now that i don't have to worry about that that's awesome uh the parts that are hurting me is also in the clinch is uh as i get fatigued I have a hard time remembering and, and, and every once in a while I still make the mistake of not holding on to people as I'm punching them because we do that in MMA all the time. And so that's been the hardest probably conversion I've had to make. Uh, that's the biggest difference between boxing and uh, MMA fighting or even bare knuckle fighting because I didn't have to make that adjustment for the bare knuckles. I was grabbing in the clinch and holding and punching just like we would in MMA. The clinch and bare knuckle boxing is very similar. Just no lower body strikes, you know, obviously. Uh, but uh, and no elbows. But um, but as far as you know, the grappling aspects was the same. Whereas in boxing, it's not. And do you think it, it it's harder on Antonio in this fight too? Because you have so many fights, you can look at his style, and he sure he can look at your UFC and Bellator fights, but that's an MMA style. Like it's gonna be different the way you kind of move, and, and it's kind of a weird one to prepare. Like that was the whole thing entering that Floyd Connor fight was. It's a weird style to prepare for, just because MMA fighters move different, they throw strikes differently, and all that. It is. It's a, a very much of akin to like, you know, a major league baseball player, you know, batting up against a, a college girl who throws underhand fast pitch. You know, it can still throw them off, even if the ball's not moving any faster, you know, uh, or whatnot. You know, all variables the same. It's a different angle, different body posture, and it can throw people off that are especially that are at a high level that they're used to seeing certain maneuvers and certain reads in a body. They go, OK, that means he's throwing a jab and not necessarily the same with a different style of throwing. Also, too, you're right, he's only seen me fight barefoot. My stance and my foot position and my angle is different with shoes on. I have different grips, different friction, and it allows me to have a lower stance and allows me to you know, move differently. Actually, I prefer it. I wish MMA they let us wear shoes. Striking is so much better with shoes on. Is this just a one-off boxing match, or depending on how it goes, like would you be open to more pro boxing fights? Oh, I'm open to them. Yeah, I like the idea. And are you still on a contract with Bare Knuckle, or did they just kind of allow you to take this fight? Yeah, no, my, my contract with Bare Knuckle, I mean, David's been awesome dealing with as far as a promoter uh, so far. I mean, obviously, you know, he wouldn't like it if I wouldn't picked up tried to pick up a fight with another Bare Knuckle Fight League. But as far as MMA and boxing, as long as, uh, you know, like, you know, I don't have a fight schedule with them, they're open to me fighting. I mean, I think they understood when I sat there and talked about, you know, what my ambitions were for the last, you know, part of my career, uh, you know, being held up and not fighting, you know, uh, with a contract because, you know, a certain promotion only has so many opportunities for me to fight. You know, I only, I mean, look, I'm 41. How many more times am I going to get the opportunity to strap it on and get to go compete? Uh, you know, I definitely have more years behind me than I have in front of me. So I, I want to spend them competing. Have you brought in any boxers or are you just working with the usual people you've been working with your, your so far, just the usual people uh but there's a couple of kickboxers and stuff and boxers that actually now this week are coming down to start working with me and stuff uh just to give me different looks and stuff to, to, to get more of that reaction because you know a lot of the guys i'm sparring with they're mma guys you know like chris curtis you know uh mma guy but you know who's a really good boxer but he's still you know uh it'd be nice to see a couple of guys that are just pure boxers to see how they react to what i do especially defensively uh, just a few more things is you kind of mentioned there MMA. Like, do you think you're going to go back to MMA or do you think it's just kind of boxing bare knuckle from here on out? 
No, I'd like to, because I mean, um, one of my ambitions that I've said, and I really am sticking to it, is before I retire, I would really like to fight on the same card as my daughter. Yeah. You know, I think that would be a great father-daughter type experience. You know, how many people can say they've done that in their career? Compete as an athlete, you know, on the same playing field as their their child. You know, and really, it'd be a, a moment of passing the torch of the end of my career, and now just you know, and this, you know, uh, the, the the continuation of starting of her career. So uh, obviously, I would have to make it an MMA fight for that to continue. How much longer do you think you're going to compete? Because at 41, like you still see a lot of people compete in their 40s. How much longer do you think you got? As long as I'm able to be healthy. I mean, right now, I mean, what I'm able to do in the gym, I'm doing things I haven't done since I was 32, 33 years old. Um, and so uh, uh, if you would have asked me this question two years ago, I would have said I need to retire now just of how beat up I was and how just the daily injuries and just the lack of motivation to train when you're hurting really started hitting me about the time I was 35. Uh, that's why like, it just got harder to get in shape. You know, people, you know, started criticizing what my diet looked like, or just having a belly. And it's like, you know, I got the dad bod thing going. I'm like, guys, it hurts to work out, you know? And, and when it hurts to work out, it hurts afterwards. And you're laying in bed at night and you can't sleep because you're in so much pain. Um, it's not very motivating. It's hard to, 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 to be inspired. Now that I really have a handle on the different aches and pains in my body and, and made some really leaps and browns, uh, bounds and improvements, you know, uh, you know, uh, Steve Dotti, a conditioning coach I've been using here in town. Uh, Nick Best, a strength coach, you know, uh, is world's strongest man who, you know, he himself is 51. He knows how to work around injuries and, and improve them. Now, I mean, I'm squatting, bench pressing, doing strongman competition, lifting up stones, things that I never three or four years of thought I could ever continue on doing. And now I'm using them to help me prepare for my, uh, you know, combat battles. Uh, just last thing I want to touch on is obviously your daughter, 2-0 in MMA. Like, what's that like seeing her kind of follow in your footsteps and how much success she's already had? Uh, you know, it's beautiful to watch your child do something that they love and get recognition for it and, um, uh, you know, and be successful. So I'm happy for that. Obviously, you know, being a professional fighter, it's not the injuries or her getting hurt that scare me. It's that, you know, making a living at it because you dedicate a lot of your life. You're not trying to, uh, you know, you're not working on your... Your, your businesses usually when you're following a fight career. So you're putting all your eggs in one basket. And that's scary to me because the financial payback, there's a lot of luck involved, you know? I mean, you might blow your knee out before your big fight. You might get caught in a big fight and that was your chance of a title shot, you know? So, uh, you know, you could see other fighters too that sometimes just don't have that connection. They're so hit and miss in our sport. You know, why, you know, you know Conor McGregor, doesn't have the accolades as far as accomplishes DJ, uh, you know, Demetrius Johnson does as far as pure mixed martial artists, who's the better fighter. Well, Johnson is right. But who makes more money? It's not even close. It's not even in the same ballpark. Right. And so, uh, so that's the scary part about why I didn't want her to be a fighter is that that financial, you know, security is not, it's not easy in this world. And so, uh, uh, but she wants to do it. And when I, I stopped fighting about two years ago, trying to push her in every other avenue. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess I'm either going to have to sit on the sideline and watch this go on, or I can jump on and be a part of it and try to make sure you do it as, and be the best you can possibly be. Hey, do you think she's going to have no shortage of opponents? Cause I think anyone sees Mir across the name. I think a lot of girls will jump at the opportunity because it's obviously a big fight. If you can beat Frank Mir's daughter, I think it really it, it pushes them ahead in their career. It does, you know, and, and right now I'm just trying to make sure that there's a lot of people around us that like, you know, let's go on the UFC right now. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm putting on the brakes a little bit as a father. I'm like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, let's just not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, you're right. She's talented. She's tough. She's smart. She has everything going. You, she checks off every box that you would want to check off on to be a world champion. 
be a Hall of Famer. But uh, but also too, you know, I, I don't want you know, I mean, hell, I wouldn't want to put John Jones in the in the ring, you know, when he was 21 right off the bat. You know what I mean? Like it's like, well, wait a minute, you know what I mean? Like you give the guy a few years and he's going to be a world beater, you know. And you know, anybody gets in there too soon sometimes, you know. Hell, you saw with Lomachenko, you know, Philly yep. in boxing, right? Guys, 396 and one as an amateur boxer, multiple, you know, gold medalist, uh, you know, Olympian. Uh, phenomenal fighter and then his first fight he goes down in texas goes and fights a champ in his backyard you know and loses a real close decision because you know he wanted to be the first guy that his debut he fights for title and wins it and, and he took a loss you know against Toledo that maybe that you know that right now that you know later in his career wouldn't have happened and so uh you know that's a lesson to be learned that you know the world's greatest boxer he got ahead of himself and took a and it took an l you know so you know i don't want to do that with my daughter who i really feel is going to be the world's greatest fighter but, um, you know, I, I don't want to rush it too soon. And just last thing you mentioned, you'd want to compete on a card with her. Is that kind of like that retirement fight you're thinking or one of the final fights is maybe that's your send off is and then you kind of start elevating her career? I think so. I think that's definitely the uh, I mean, that, that's just, you know, when they make the movie, that sounds like a good scene. You know what I mean? Like that's the handoff. That's, you know, I mean, that's the passing of the torch is the way I I've mentioned it to my wife. And, you know, when they ask me, like, you know, how do you want to go out, you know, and and, and I, I can't think of a more special way to go than a father, you know, passing the torch to his child going, all right, now this is your turn. You're the superstar. Now I'm just the support member. All right. Well, Frank, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, man. No problem. Cool. Thanks for working. All right. We're joined by UFC lightweight Jakar Close, who's got a big fight coming up here against Jeremy Stevens. Jakar, how's it going? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Obviously, we talked last time. All the story went out about previewing your fight against Luis Pena. Then it comes out what was it fight day or the day before you were out of the fight like how frustrating disappointing was that because the whole point of our interview was you kind of talk about how hard it's been not being able to fight in so long yeah it was, it was kind of crazy um you know they they messaged my corner man and uh told him that he had uh tested positive for COVID, and then uh you i thought they still were going to keep keep the card on but then like two hours before i was supposed to leave and report uh downstairs they told me that they pulled the card so it just kind of sucked you know what i mean um my my biggest thing was like hopefully i was still gonna get paid you know something for you know making weight and you know trying to show up and trying to fight so did you get a bit of money or did they just kind of rebook you and you're gonna get paid this uh, they gave me a, they gave me a little a little bit uh wasn't what you know what I was going to make by yeah. just stepping in the cage, but it's better than nothing, I guess. Is the silver lining though, you're now fighting Jeremy Stevens, a lot more notable name than Luis Pena. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm way more excited. You know, um, you know, uh, I kind of got that, uh, you know, like with the other, the last two opponent opponents, like I really wasn't, uh, you know, afraid of, anything that they were going to bring to the table. But with Jeremy, you know, I, I got that little fear. So it's like, it, it, it excites me, you know, and um, I'm glad I, I get to go in there and, you know, and, and throw down with them. Oh, what do you make of Jeremy Stevens' recent run? Like just going through it, like uh, TKO lost to Aldo, a decision lost to Zabit. He obviously had that eye poke and then he ran back with the year, lost a decision. Then he got knocked out by Calvin Cater. He's obviously been on a skid, but those are th uh, four of the top, like, five, six guys at Featherweight. So he's only losing to the top guys. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's still dangerous. It doesn't, like, you know, 
he might be on a four fight losing streak, but dude, he still has it. He still goes out there and brings it, and that's what excites me about this fight. Um, just go in there and you know get to put a show on with. Uh, I think he's he's a great great guy. So, are you surprised you're the one welcoming back up to lightweight? Because I I thought they might have given him a rank guy or someone near the ranks. I think you are pretty close to the ranks, but I thought just because he's ranked a feather, maybe they would have tried to give him a rank guy lightweight. Uh, it just feels like the you know the UFC kind of used me for like you know their prospects. They'll throw me in there, you know. Uh, it feels like the same thing with, uh, with welcome Jerry back to 155, you know. Uh, but you know I, I like taking down the people that they that they give me, so I'm excited about it. Uh, do you think Stevens is going to be better at 55? Like probably more power. His chin's probably going to be a bit better and all that stuff. Um. I hope so. I hope, hope it's the best version of him, you know. Um, I don't, I don't want to go in there and say I beat someone that's, you know, injured or, you know, something was wrong with him. I hope, hopefully he has a, a great training camp and, you know, there's no injuries and, you know, we both go on there and put on a good show for everyone. How, how do you see Spike playing out? Because when this got announced, I think the kind of reaction was this got 50K, like a fight of the night or performance of the night written all over it. I know. As soon as my manager called me up, I was like, "Yeah, uh, shadow box getting ready." Um, but you know, I see. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go out there and get the victory any any way. Just just go out there and win. Um, but I do see later in like maybe the third round, you know, uh, being able to overpower them and uh, finishing them. Jeremy Stevens is kind of known as a striker, but something that kind of happens when everyone fights you is they try to take you down. Like, do you think he's going to shoot on you at some point? Um, I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. Um, no, nah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. It's kind of hard to see how this is going to play out. Um, because to be honest, I think we're both similar. Um, I think we both fight with a lot of emotion, so I think it's going to come down to who's who's more under control with their emotions and uh, who can execute the game plan better. So what do you think a win over Jeremy does for you at lightweight? Obviously he's ranked top 10 at featherweight. And I think this would kind of be that statement where you can start getting these top guys. Yeah. Um, you know what I've been thinking, like if I go out there and, you know, starch him, uh, I was th even thinking like maybe I cut down to 45 and because I'm not going to get a title shot at 55. It's, you know, it's the same people. So I might as well try to drop a weight class and make a run at 45 if that's possible. Have you, like, talked to the PI or done a test cut to see if you could make 45? Uh, no, I've, I've never, um, you know, I haven't, you know, talked to them about it. But, you know, I've, you know, since making that cut for my last fight and keeping my weight low, like, in my head, it feels like I, c I can make it, you know, just clean up my diet a little bit more. Um, but after this fight, and depending on how it goes, uh, I might give it a shot at 45s. I guess that doesn't make sense because Stevens is a top 10 featherweight, so you could start calling out top 10 featherweights because you just beat a top 10 featherweight. Yeah, that's the plan, you know what I mean? Because, like I said, 55, this division, it's it's the same four people fighting for the belt, and it's like, I might as well move on and try to, you know, you know, try to at least get a shot at, you know, getting the belt. So, 
And the same guys fighting for the belt, but it's also the same 15 guys in the rankings. Like, you don't really see many new guys entering the ranks. Like, it's the same old people always there. It's like uh, you're gra- grandfathered in once you get into the top 15. I, I have to ask you, though, like, uh, obviously, Courtney Casey, I, what she made that decision? I thought she clearly won her last fight. Uh, they robbed us. Yeah. They robbed us. But, um, it kind of sucks. It's like, oh, don't leave it to the judges, but what's the point of having judges? You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think the judges should have to, I think they should be interviewed um, after every fight or, you know, to see what, what they're judging, you know, as, as fighters, we need to understand what their, what their criteria is. So it, it just, it just sucks. I've actually reached out to so many commissions after like bad judging or bad refing calls, and they basically just say, oh, the refs and judges don't do media. So they don't even, like, the commissions won't even try to hold them accountable because there's a lot of bad judges and bad scorecards out there. Yeah, and it, it just sucks. Like, someone needs to be, like, as us as fighters, like, we have to be accountable of what we put in our bodies. You know what I mean? And they should be accountable of how they f- score and, and do all this because, you know, it affects our lives as fighters. Yeah, and especially with your pay is a show-win split. Like, it, it's not as big of a deal if it's 100% of your pay, but they're taking 50% of your pay away when they make a bad decision like that. Yep, yep. And it just sucks because, uh, you know, Courtney was planning on buying a, a new car. And then, like, <laughs> once you once you lose, it's like, uh, never mind, maybe the next fight. So. Uh- are the UFC keeping Courtney around? Like, I think they kind of view that as a win and just kind of build her off of that and, like, book her against people based on she won that fight. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully you know what I mean? It just it sucks because, you know, they, they tell you they can tell you one thing one day, and depending on how things go, it changes the next. So, Does that have put a bit of pressure on you in this fight where UFC just saw Courtney lose a close decision? Like, is that a bit of pressure on you to I know you just kind of said it but did not leave it in the judges hands just because you know what they are capable of doing um no just just go in there and just do me and don't worry about the judges all I know is just get a takedown and they'll, they'll score that higher than <laughs> everything else so <laughs> yeah that, that's what's crazy about her fight is JJ took her down in the first round but I think Courtney like landed like three like three times as many shots because JJ was just kind of holding her not doing anything yeah, I think that's what uh, Courtney gets more frustrated is everyone tells her that she won the fight, but not 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 to the judges. So, just quickly, a few more things. What's kind of the goal for you this year? I assume it's probably pretty active after just getting one fight in last year. Yeah, just staying active. Um, just keep fighting. Uh, try to make as much money as possible because uh, I really don't want to continue to fight. You know, too much longer. So. How much longer you got? Because you're still pretty young. You're only 33. Yeah, but man, these these injuries, man, they 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 add up, and uh, you know, um, maybe three or four fights. So, no, so we're getting near the end. So you just got to put on these entertaining fights, get some wins, get some bonuses, and just kind of cash out as much as money as possible. Unless they're gonna pay me a lot more money, you know what I mean? I'll stick around, but. You know, if, if I'm still making, uh, just I can I, I can get a job, you know, and 
work all year and probably make the same amount. So, but as long as I, if I can keep stringing these wins along and uh, maybe I'll stay a little longer. That move to 45, like, is it depending on like if your body can do it or are you kind of like, are you still open to staying at 155? Uh, I'm open to stay at 155, but if I go out here and, j and just smash him, I might as well go down to 45 because, you know, he's fought some of the best. And if if, if he can do it, go out, go down there and smash him, uh, I definitely could do it. So, Just last thing, smaller octagon at the apex. Think that's going to play factor in this fight, or is it just going to kind of force you guys to meet in the middle? Uh, I think this will be the first time I fought in a smaller cage. It's normally uh, that big boy and uh, – I think this is going to be a lot, a lot better for me because I won't have to chase and I don't plan on running. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I just won't have to chase as much. Yeah, I've actually talked to a lot of fighters and a lot of them like the smaller one because it just forced the action. And if you have your opponent hurt, they can't re they don't really got run uh, like uh, room to run around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this fight, though. Yeah, all right, Cartman, that's all I got for you. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Yeah, you as well. Yep, yep. All right, we're joined by UFC heavyweight Chase Sherman, who's got a big fight now on short notice against Andre Arlovsky. Chase, how's it going? Uh, it's going, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Obviously, we did one before, and he's supposed to fight Parker Porter, but uh, a bit more notable name. Like, are you a lot more excited to now get in there against Arlovsky, a former champ who's kind of one of these well-known names of the sport yeah i mean absolutely everything happens for a reason um it's just been a fucking hell of a camp man with just adversity left and right and um and now it's kind of all unfolding and then and it's just coming down to um to this big fight now and this is this is a huge opportunity for me What's this past year been like for you? Because you obviously got back into the UFC last May. You pick up the win, and then you have that you saw the issue. You can't fight again. Then you're supposed to fight Parker Porter, and then he pulls out. Then you end up getting our Andre Lovsky. Like it seems like this past year has been like kind of whirlwind for you. Absolutely, man. And it was a it was a whirlwind before I got signed. You know, after I got cut, everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket, and just it was so fucking stressful man and um lost everything lost my home and you know almost lost my relationship with my fiance and just just a constant struggle and then finally uh you get back into the ufc and then have to deal with this bullshit with usada um and then finding uh uh um a supplement that was banned in my system before I had even, you know, that was found in my system before I was even signed by the UFC. You know what I mean? It was just, um, they, they called it a failure to disclose, not, you know, cheating or performance enhancing or anything like that. But it's just like, you're spending me for nine months for fucking human error, you know, and then just having to deal with that. And then finally getting back and, uh, into the UFC and then, um, and then and I having to deal with this fucking hellacious uh, training camp, man. Just the constant, just, you know, bullshit, you know. My, my car getting ran over and then insurance companies fucking me over while I was out here. And then, you know, having to, uh, you know, dealing with nagging injuries and having to deal with that. And then 
you know, getting my opponent getting COVID and him getting pulled out the card. And then my cornerman, you know, just got COVID. So now I'm having to scramble to find another replacement for him. And, and luckily I just got my test results back in and they were negative. So it's like, fuck, you know, it's just like, man, what else is going on? So it's just like, fucking Andre Olowski's got something coming to him. <laughs> it's just been, you know, I, he's just four guys just going to have a whole year of just pain and struggle inflicted upon him. You know, he's going to be my outlet, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, man. But, you know, all those things prepare you for what's to come. And, and I'm blessed at the end of the day, I'm blessed. So was that a big worry for you of, if you and your corner got test positive that man, maybe you might've just caught something. So you won't even be able to fight. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, I've already had uh COVID, you know what I mean? And, um, but the way everything's been going is like, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if it was a false neg or a false positive, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I feel great, but I was like, you know, my, knowing my luck, especially with those rapid tests, the rapid tests are extremely accurate. And so, like, that was my fear. I was just waiting to hear back from Donna today. And um, she just messaged me before we before we got on the phone and said I was negative. So it's 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 just got to get to the fight now, man. Just get to the fucking fight. And obviously you've seen it. When someone pulls out this close to the fight, it's a lot of UFC newcomers that come in. Like, were you surprised you got Arlovsky? Or did you or were you kind of expecting to get a name? Or did you think it was going to be a – a UFC newcomer. I don't know, man. I didn't know what to expect. I just, you know, I just, it's, I, everything happens for a reason, man. And, and I believe it's my time and this, and it's, um, you know, it's just like anything else, man. It's a circle of life in with the old or, you know, out with the old and in with the new. And, um, you're seeing it a lot with these, uh, these guys that are being released and, um, you have these newer guys coming in and it just happens, you know, it's a circle of life. And now it's my turn to, uh, to kind of bury the hatchet, man, and put him away and, um, nothing against him. He's a legend and he's done so much for the sport, but, um, it's my time now. And, um, I think the universe, uh, has came together and has aligned those uh, stars for that to happen. What have you made of Arlovsky's recent stretch? Because there was that stretch in 2017 where you got knocked out by like Miocic, Overeem, and Ganu. People thought he was done. Then he rallied off two wins. Then he lost four in a row again. And then he's rallied off two straight and lost his last one. Like it seems like his chin is getting a bit better because he's not getting knocked out. But at the same time, like he has been hurt in a lot of fights. He's not getting knocked out because look how he's fighting. He's, yeah. He's fighting not to lose. He's not fighting to go out there and win. He's. He's out there, you know, He's a, he knows he's at the end of his career. He, he, you know, he's not going to be in title contention again. So what is he doing this for exactly? Is he doing it to finish, finish out his contract? Is he doing it to get paid? What exactly is he? Because he's not adding on to his legacy, that's for sure. So we look at at those aspects, and, you know, and, and we see that and we see how he's fighting and, um and he's really going out there to pull off, you know, in a unanimous decision, kind of point fight his way um, into the win column. And and that's it, you know. Um, and, the, and the fighters out here, these younger cats that he's winning these unanimous decisions with, 
they're kind of going out there and just giving him a little bit too much respect, you know what I mean, just for his name, you know, these are younger guys. Um, but, um, you know, I don't think that's going to be the – that's not that's not what I'm here to do. You know what I mean? That's not been what I've there to do. I've never fought like that. So um, he's either going to have to dig deep and want to actually fight or – or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna finish this. I'm gonna finish it early. Well, yeah, that's what I want to touch on. Is you look at his wins, it's very low activity. Like it's like two, a couple strikes a minute. Like, is it basically the game plan? Is it just bring the fight to him and make him fight? Absolutely. I mean, you know, like I said, when, what's his, what's his, uh, you know, what I mean, what's his uh, ambitions with fighting? You know, I mean, if he's there just to get kind of, you know, win and get paid, then what's his incentive for wanting to? to uh to go through hell and make it a dog fight you know what i mean like why why is he gonna want to do that so that's what i gotta turn it into you know what i mean like especially taking the fight on short notice you know it's kind of almost i'm really happy that he accepted the fight but almost in a way i feel kind of disrespected that someone would take a fight with me on you know a two weeks notice it's kind of slapping my face but whatever how do you see this fight playing out? Because I wouldn't be surprised if you're gonna if you get him out of there pretty early. I don't know, man. I just know that I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna. I, I'm not here to make predictions and stuff like that. I just know that I'm gonna go out there and I'm perform the best of my abilities. And and when I'm on, like when I'm in the zone, like when I'm feeling myself, there's not very many people in the world that can touch me. You know what I mean? And I and I say that. With you know, with with you know, as much humbleness as I can. Like I'm just being realistic. You know what I mean? Like when I'm in the zone, when I'm feeling myself, there's, you know, I'm a dangerous fighter. You know what I mean? Uh, with Arlovsky, like, would you like? What do you think a win over him does for you? Like he's obviously past his prime, but he he's still a legend of the sport. He still picked up some recent wins. Like it, it easily yeah, yeah. would be the biggest win of your career. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I think it, I think, um, I think, I think maybe it helps boost me into like more of a household name. And then obviously gets me a new contract and, um, uh, potentially, you know, grabs the, the eye of a lot of these other heavyweights in the division and, 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 you know, maybe make Maynard as a matchmaker and then, you know, Let's him know that, hey, you know, Chase is for real, and he's a different fighter this time than he was the first go-round. And, um, but, you know, I'm not really worried about what happens after the fight. I'm just, everything's going to happen how it's exactly how it's supposed to happen, how the universe intended for it to happen. I'm just going to go out there and perform to my best ability and have fun doing it. And um, I'm excited. Uh, just a couple more things. Obviously, everyone knows how good of a striker you are. You're striking only in pre and improved and bare knuckle. Do you think Orlovsky's gonna shoot on you, or do you think he's gonna keep this a stand-up fight? I don't care, man. I mean, there's a reason, man. I've only been taken down once in my career, and that was yeah. obviously just I got tripped up on a kick. But, um, you know, it, it becomes a real problem when people tie up with me, man, and they feel like where where my strength is and like how or how strong I am and how good my balance is. And, and there's very few people in the, in the world that can take me down. Um, and um, so I don't know if he wants to, that's fine. I don't, I don't care. I know he's not going to be stronger than me. And, 
And my takedown defense, I feel like my takedown defense is some of the, the best ever, you know. Um, so I'm not I'm not really concerned about that. You know, if he wants to go to the ground, he can, you know, he can try, but he's going to gas himself out trying to get it there. Do you think people overlook your ground game because of your experience in bare knuckle and they just think you're a striker? Yeah, man, absolutely. I do. But I mean, I work on my wrestling all the time. I just, you know, like a lot of people think that about strikers, you know, that we can't grapple and we can't wrestle. It's not that we can't, it's just that we just don't want to, you know, we like, we, we like fighting, actually fighting, not, you know, you know, trying to like dry hump your leg. You know what I mean? Like we, we enjoy fighting. We enjoy knocking people out. And, um, and that's just what it is. Just last thing, obviously everything goes away April 17th. Like how quickly would you want to turn this thing around? Cause I'm pretty sure you want to be pretty active after sitting out most of last year. Yeah. I would like to get another fight in maybe, um, in August or something before I get married, you know, get married in September. So try to get, you know, another fight in maybe July. Um, and then I get married in September and then maybe finish one out at the end of the year, you know, get, you know, get three fights this year total or something. I I, I mean, I want to stay active, man, but I want to get better as well because, um, the competition's only going to get better. So, you know, that's my, um, that's, that's kind of where my head is. Yeah. Cause you easily could be fighting ranked guys after this one or after one more win. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, go, just go get this fight, get this win. And, um, we'll sit down at the, at the, at the table and, uh, figure out, um, what's the best option for chase and what's the best option for the UFC and how we can make everybody the most money, you know? All right. Well, chase, thanks so much for doing this again. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Take care. Yeah. Have a good one.